Hey guys, welcome back to Miss Radio for episode two. Just wanted to remind you that this podcast does not reflect the views of the Middlebury Institute or Student Council. However, we do thank both of them for allowing us to do this podcast and giving us the resources. Uh, you might hear some explicit content and sensitive material on this podcast, so listener discretion is advised. Otherwise, enjoy. Live from McGowan 220, this is Miss Radio. Joining us today include our host Gabe Sanders, Radwa Waba, and myself, Susan Wong. Um, please excuse the uh, noise of pitter-patter in the background. That is due to a giant rainstorm that rolled in this morning. So we apologize for any background noise. Our theme today is Black History Month. Even though it's March, we want to emphasize that Black History Month does not end in February. It's a continuum. and I'm also an international policy and development student at MISS. My name is Christina Lee. I'm an international education management and public administration dual degree. And our special co-host, we've got... Ianthe. And I am international policy and development. I am a second semester student, year one. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you all for coming. It's a real honor to be a part of this and couldn't do it without you, seriously. Um, our first question to kind of kick things off, uh, pretty basic, what does black history mean to you? <laughs> so to me, black history, well, first and foremost, I always like to think of black history as something that was creative out of a lack of having a history due to slavery and being separated from your African history. Um, so to me, black history is a celebration of a similar past and of a brand new way of recreating oneself and one's identity um, in a new space. So also, I think black history is also about celebrating your African history, whether you know that or not. I think it's important to acknowledge it and be aware of it. So it's kind of like you kind of have this dual um, culture, in essence, you have your African history, and then you have your black history. Um, so I think black history is a celebration of two merging of cultures, known and unknown. See some nods over there. Yeah. Um, for me, it is about empowerment. I'm African. Um, and of course, being here, I, I lived in the States for six years, uh, because we had a war back home in Sierra Leone. And Black History Month is, is about empowerment. Mm -hmm. um, what I do wish I would see more from that month is the history from Africa. You know, not just about slavery and all like the traumas that African-Americans went through, but just, you know, where you're from, you know, the beauty of the continent, you know, um, the cultures, the languages. I don't think that's being brought out enough. It's more about, you know, Martin Luther King or slavery or segregation and that's not what African Americans are about right. and being from the continent I know exactly what we are as a race and how much we can um, contribute and I think that a lot of African Americans do miss that mm -hmm. side of their um, identity yeah. and can you guys tell the listeners which where each one of you is from whether it be state or country mm -hmm. that'd be great as I said, I'm from Sierra Leone. It's a small country in West Africa. Um, I was actually born in China. <laughs> so my, <laughs> my parents were diplomats. So I was born in China um, and we went back home. But most of my childhood was in Sierra Leone. We had a very long war and we escaped to, to the United States. And I was here for my middle school and high school and went back. And I've been there ever since. I'm just here doing a master's. Um, so I am originally from Southern California, San Bernardino, um, close to LA for people that don't know the area. Um, but my family roots reach back to Alabama um, on my mom's side, um, Birmingham. So we have a, 
real rich history there in and of itself. Um, and by way of my father, um, his family is from Bakersfield, California. Um, we're not going to get into details because <laughs> <laughs> that's too much, but that's where I'm from. Um, I'm from New Jersey, uh, but my family's from Trinidad. That's where I grew up with my family. And my dad's Jamaican, so just a lot of mixed Caribbean going on. <laughs> uh, so I was born in Chicago, Illinois, Chicago Heights to be specific, up in Cook County. Um, and I was raised in Houston, Texas. So I'm a Southern Belle, but I'm also um, Chicago. So I'm, you know, ratchetemic. As a, <laughs> as, as a, what is Chris? Chris Emden. Emden phrased it. He phrased it at the 10X, yes. having both sides to you, you know? <laughs> Learning a lot today already. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So wow. thank you for that. I think it's, it's important to contextualize kind of where you guys are coming from. And so, and not to take away from you answering what black history means to you, you guys feel free to continue to comment on that. Um, so black history to me is kind of like what Iante was saying. Um, it's a celebration of black intellect, black culture, black music. It's, it's a celebration of blackness, which I feel um, in a public sphere is usually condemned. Um, so I just, I see it as a celebration of who we are as a people, what we can accomplish. Um, the things we have accomplished, and the things we will do in the future. Uh, Christina, you mentioned that uh, black culture, as you said, it can be condemned in the public sphere. Could you elaborate on that mm -hmm. and why there's that, why you feel the sentiment? Well, uh, well, that's, <laughs> that's layered and <laughs> it, it goes back multi, many generations um, if we reach back to slavery. Um, and modern culture today. So African-American culture, I, I believe it's loved and glorified um, certain aspect of our blackness. So creativity when it comes to music and dance and arts, um, but blackness as a whole is condemned because if you look um, at race, the race construct in America, it's white and black with some sprinkles of everyone else, um, but white being the epitome, the thing, the, the ultimate goal, I guess, where people and society kind of reach to, um, and blackness would be at the other end of the spectrum, kind of um, something you don't want to really be. Um, and it plays out in various forms as, you know, police brutality or lack of education or integration of black education um, or knowledge about where we came from, um, our history, our past, um, and it's not really celebrated as, you know, our music or different forms of blackness. I mean, that's a really interesting point that you bring up because there's kind of a new wave of, of, of doing that as part of pop culture. Yeah. So now it's really cool to be interested in black culture and it's really cool to partake in it, whether you be appropriating it or not, right? And mm -hmm. so I think the conversation that's going on now is, um, is black culture and black history being celebrated for all the right reasons? And is it being highlighted right now just because of the wave of pop culture that's kind of taking its its time right now? It's 15 minutes. And will that continue past these 15 minutes? You know, um, I think it's important to recognize that, like we started our episode saying that black history is American history. And so by celebrating the great parts of it, along with the history that had to happen for it to be great and to be recognized as such an integral part of our culture today. I think it's important to kind of continue that. And the question that I'm always thinking of in five years from now, is it going to be as cool as it is now? You know, what's going to be the new it culture? What's going to be the new thing that everybody's trying to understand and get to know and have talks about, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think it would be really interesting to hear all of your viewpoints on kind of the current the current 
tide of how things have been going lately. Are you kind of in favor of that? Are you anti it? Um, how does it make you feel that all of this new sparked interest in being black is happening all over? And of course, the undertones of that being media largely with the oncoming of things like Black Panther and all of this other things that are happening in the media for women and black people in general. So I can speak on that just quickly. Um, you know, I, I think the culture is loved and appreciated like worldwide. But I think that when it comes to black people and black issues, it is avoided. And for some reason, I don't know if it's guilt. I don't know if it's just something that I think maybe some Americans don't want to fix. But I think that it's 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 fun to put on the culture, you know, in terms of and, and it's been this way since the 50s mm -hmm. and 60s, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I think that when it comes to um addressing black issues and, and, and things that keep keeping um, black people down in the U.S. It's always ignored, always watered down. Um, and I think that's the frustration that blacks in the U.S. have when they see, um, you know, the love for their culture, but then not the love for them as, as people. Yeah, it seems like it's really easy to celebrate the parts that you like, but then it seems like a lot of people take that as their, you know, cop out. That yeah. that's that's their part. They've done it, but then they don't actually do anything to improve what really uh, matters right now for most people of color in this country, especially black people. And even as a woman, I was really happy about the the movement for women in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. But I keep thinking that if it was something against maybe a black person, would it be as strong? Mm -hmm. Would it be as impactful? You know, will will everyone be behind it? And I know that some black people do feel the same way because, you know, I, I know oh, um, Oprah was bashed and they're, they're not part of them. I think a lot of black women didn't go to the march, the, the women's march, because of that, you know. So I'm not too sure what you guys think. But it's like you can't march because just a couple of months ago we were seeing Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Right. But then they were seeing All Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah. And true. then we have yeah, to be true. like, me too. Mm -hmm. I cannot be me too and then you cannot be Black Lives Matter. I agree. It's not fair to us. And mm -hmm. I think as a and I've I have an issue with feminism and I'm sorry for any feminist that's out there. Um but the issues that feminists talk about like, oh well we don't get equal this or equal this and I'm like well, we as black people haven't had equal for as long as we can remember. For centuries, we haven't had equal. And especially when this Me Too movement, and I'm I'm against any type of like sexual harassment towards any type of women. Like I think it's wrong, it should not be done. But at the same time, it's where's everyone when we are saying they're killing our kids, they're killing right. our sons, we're watching our children die. Yeah. And we're watching our men being murdered senselessly, senselessly for no reason. Mm -hmm. But then everyone's like, let's stand in solidarity for me too. Right. And we should. I agree. But we should put that same effort in and mm -hmm. fighting for Black Lives Matter as well too. Mm -hmm. But we don't do it. But then when it comes to black culture, like you're seeing all, like especially in the rap game right now, right. there's all these white artists and they're like, oh, this is like the greatest rapper alive. And I was just like, what? We've been having <laughs> these like phenomenal rap artists that's been coming out, talking about the culture, speaking about everything that's going on with black people and everyone's like that's not rap that's not rap and then these kids are talking about what are i don't even know what they're saying on their rap song but everyone's like <laughs> praising it because of their skull the color of their skin but at the same time you guys are praising this but won't praise the people that created this created mm -hmm. this culture and that's like that's my issue too i i love that our culture is getting out there but you have to appreciate the people who made who paved the way for it mm -hmm. the people who lived the life every day day mm -hmm. right and no one talks about it but let's talk about braids but then you, you get into the, the topic of <laughs> many or, or the issue of you have these these white people that were raised in the south or raised in a predominantly black environment and so you know it's nature versus nurture you are who you where you're raised right so it's, it becomes this conversation of well can you fault them for acting black or having a particular or wanting to be a rapper because they grew up that's all they grew up around mm -hmm. and if you guys remember i don't know if you know this rapper but Sean, the chick oh, that yeah. came out yeah when she came out she's from oakland mm -hmm. and everybody was like oh she's faking it she's not really you know she doesn't have that accent and she doesn't really speak that way and she was like this is all i've known this is how i am and so it becomes an issue of 
appropriation versus you being a product of your environment and right. being truly who you are. And you can't fault some people for that. You know what I mean? And I completely agree with you. Billboard released, what, a month ago? The, their top, you know, 100 hits or whatever, and the top 10 were all white artists or featured white rappers on the songs. And that was a dialogue at the time that's like, wow. So the top 10 Billboard hits out right now are either by white artists or featuring white rapper artists. That's what I mean right. in general. And so it's like, where are all the black artists? People have been putting songs out nonstop and now it's just it's just this really conflicting conversation between where are the features where are the highlights where are the spotlights being thrown and they're not in the right direction and but again you can't undermine somebody's accomplishments it's not their fault that these artists songs are tight or that they're making it or that people are listening to them and therefore they're climbing the charts you know and it's just i think it's a really conflicting argument to have but I agree with you completely. It's not fair, and it's never been. And you want to have all this support for all these people and all these movements that deserve the attention, but you can't do that wholeheartedly when you know there are people that have been suffering and have not had the attention drawn on them and haven't had the full support. And so while I disagree with you on the feminism point, to some extent, it is right. Because if you look statistically, all the women that voted for Trump were white women. Most of them, you know, and so and then these same women want to go in the marches, right? But that's what I'm seeing. It's like white women are screaming equality, but then they're the majority, like you said, did vote for Trump. Right. And it's like, oh, let's all stand in solidarity with women. And I was like, are how? you serious? Like, how right. can we do that? How can right. we do that as women? But then you turn a blind eye to me, who is also a woman right. when I need you. So I cannot stand with you on certain subjects and you turn a blind eye to me when it's time for you to stand with me. Right. So that's my issue with femi feminism mm -hmm. and it's always been my issue. And it will, unless there's like a shift on how, on how, um, on where women put their voices, I'm, I cannot ever be like, I agree with what feminists are doing. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. not to shut anyone down. Mm -hmm. if, if you feel strongly with that, that's, that is your life, and I and I'm I'm supportive of all my friends who are feminists, but it's a movement I cannot get behind, mm -hmm. and I will not get behind until I see a shift. I see a shift when when we Black Lives Matter was started by women. Where yeah, were all the nice little white ladies when we were marching, and we started that? Mm -hmm. No right. one. Mm -hmm. There may I'm not even gonna. There may be a few, but there wasn't. There was not enough yeah, yeah. there wasn't a presence yes. the, a strength in numbers thing where you felt like you were being supported um where you felt like you were being supported by other people and you didn't feel like your needs were recognized by this huge demographic that is pr that runs pervasive in the united states yeah. and they're asking you to fight battles on how many fronts i mean yeah. are, you've got black lives matter and then me too shows up and you're expected to participate equally in both while one takes kind of the back burner. And obviously that's that's not justice for anybody because either way, somebody's getting left out. These, I, I really question how do you fight both of those battles at once? Um, and is there one that should be a priority? I, I don't know. Um, they, they, our country seems so s torn in and of its like, you know, its essence right now. It doesn't know where to go. Um, well then, and just speaking on the the Me Too movement, I was trying to look up her name and make sure I said it right. But Tanya um, Burke was is a black woman that started this Me Too movement mm -hmm. in a small area, right, to help women of domestic violence and sexual abuse. And now it's this huge thing, and very few people would are thinking, "Oh, Hollywood made this. Mm -hmm. It's for Hollywood." women white actors and 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 people are part of that sphere and that's where the me too movement is coming from mm -hmm. so it's like just like the black lives matter movement started by a group of black women but now it's like mm, it's not as convenient anymore to to focus on that aspect just like the me too movement it's it's almost taken it, it was almost like taken to be made public and now it's it's a fad. It's something that everyone is now jumping on the bandwagon to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's it's the the movement is good, but at the same time, the the motives for this movement I feel like have changed, and they've been taken away from the people that started it to help. Mm -hmm. And now it's just a bandwagon thing mm -hmm. at this point. So, but I feel that 
is kind of what happens to black culture as all a whole. The time. <laughs> all the time. All the time. All the time. Yeah. I mean, we can argue rock and roll. Where did rock and roll start? It started with black people. Okay. It started with black music, Afro roots, Afrocentric. Most of the musics and the creations start in African traditions and culture, but we never get the recognition. Um, exactly. Country well, music is also... Yeah, yeah country music, also, yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's gonna disappoint a lot of people. <laughs> 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 They're gonna stop Yeah, but that just goes to show um, who's valuable in this country. Mm-hmm. It it just goes to show whose voices matter, what people matter, what things or what aspects of a certain people matter, and it's not looking at the group as a whole, as a people. I feel like I don't know. It's just. You're, it's a continuous stealing of ideas and just different aspects of the black identity, the blackness, I will just say, of blackness. I've noticed that, um, and that's why I've, I've had, I've taken issue with um, the rise in rap music in, in China. Um, there is a lack of acknowledgement. Or Korea. Or Korea. So what's, it's great that, you know, that this culture, that um, this movement is taking place. And however, um, I have noticed in media reports and on the news that, you know, the government is trying to use it as a way to use that as a political weapon, but not acknowledge it, the roots of it all. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a really important conversation that um, we should continue to drive and especially people here, people abroad, um, you know, and I guess that ties into my question, like how, how do we empower more people? How do we educate more people to keep the discussion going? Um, I mean, can we do that here at Miss? Can we do it on college campuses? I mean, well, yeah, I think. Well, not to take away from this question, I think it's a good segue to maybe discuss your individual experiences as students here in the institute um, and localize maybe the ideas that we're discussing right now are are a bit meta and maybe we can localize this for the listeners to kind of give them a snippet as to what's (laughs) actually going on in day-to-day lives of you know black students here on campus with us but then my question would be would they care would they listen and what would they learn from it will it only enforce stereotypes or will they then take that information reflect Mm -hmm take it upon themselves to do more research Mm -hmm. to offer this growing opportunity or will it just be okay we know about this one black person so i'm good it's a checklist yeah and 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 that's i think that's their cross to bear you know what i mean you're here you're present you took time out of your schedules to come and, and inform and educate to the best of your ability and i think it would be a complete waste of resources for people not to use this effectively and reflect on it like you said Mm -hmm. so the best that you can do is spread your message around (laughs) for me um i think you said something about um kind of the acknowledgement my own perspective on it is is not just the acknowledgement it's just that get on the bandwagon when another human being needs you and don't feel like i don't relate to their struggle Mm -hmm. and just like you said, I, I, I stopped talking about race because I felt like, as black people, we've talked a lot, you know, and it's time for action kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's time to focus on each other, mm-hmm. you know, like back home, you know, it's like race is not an issue because we, we don't have that, that other thing, you know, there. So there's, there's that opportunity to focus on each other. And I don't think that maybe the black people in America um, are doing it enough. It's all about trying to sensitize and educate people about what's going on. And for me, I just don't think it's it's gonna happen if people don't wanna receive the message, how they should receive the message, you know? And, and, I, and I kind of feel that culture here at Miss. And for me, it was kind of hard to integrate. It still is, so I, and I've kind of like sunk into that space where I'm, I'm, I'm not even gonna make the effort. I'm here to get my master's and get out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because I don't feel that welcoming attitude from a lot of people. People are more intrigued when I say, oh, I'm from Africa. Mm. 
you know, then they're like, oh, you know, start asking you questions. But then they, they, (laughs) exactly, they do. It's like so many questions. But then when they see me, they don't want to like, they're not, you know, it's, I just don't feel that. I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's acceptance, but that warm, welcoming feeling like um, feel from other places mm-hmm. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that in Monterey as a whole, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, my attitude, which is negative, but it's just like mm-hmm. May 2019 is coming, like mm-hmm. 18 more months kind of thing, counting down, which is bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's but it's reality. Yeah. But I mean, that's also your process. We're yeah. not here to judge your process. If that's what you need to do, then, yeah. you know, you got to look out for number one, Yeah, <laughs> which is my motto. But just to kind of, I agree what you're saying, but then also to kind of contest for black people here that live and were born in America, we don't mm-hmm. have that escape. That escape. Yes. So this is this is where we live. Yeah. We go home. Yeah. That's it. Mm hmm. There, mm-hmm. there is no other option. Yeah. So I think it is necessary to yeah. make those connections and make sure our voices are heard and push forward and through those barriers. But yeah, is it going to be tiring? Yes, it is tiring. It's tiring getting the same type of questions, um, kind of microaggressions, um, racist, race, uh, racial like slurs. And I mean, even though they don't, most people don't presume them to be because it's innocent. I don't know you're the first black person I've ever interacted with or something like that, whatever. Um, but it does get tiring. It's, it is our burden to bear as people being a minority group here within our own country. Mm-hmm. So it's the effort and the work can't stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to jump in on that, I went to Cuba over J term with Jan Black from January the 4th through the, I mean, well, the 3rd through the 14th. And my experience there was one that I will never forget because there was an, there was one, an acceptance of me without knowing where I was from immediately. Right. And two, there was this beautiful celebration of Africa and being African and realizing that although I am Cuban, right? I'm still recognizing where I've come from and the, the, the past before me. And they're recognizing it in the music. They recognize it um, in their history. They have an entire museum, multiple museums around Santeria and all the different uh, religions. And they recognize blackness, recognizing it in its lightest of shades to its darkest of shades. So when I was there, there was an immediate sense of love there. There was an immediate sense of we are accepting you because, I don't know, your skin color looks like ours and we were just going to guess you're Cuban. That was it. No questions asked. Everybody, they assumed I was Cuban. They thought I was Cuban. They tried to talk to me in Spanish. I answered as much as I could before my cover was blown. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And then they're, you know, they were like, oh, where are you from? <laughs> you know, so, but that was so, um, that feeling was so intense and so overwhelming to have someone just see me as, as w- who I am, right? And not that like, okay, you're black. And then it stops there. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, hey, you're a human being. <laughs> you're a beautiful girl. Let me talk to you. Or, you know, I like your hair. What is you, you know, where are you from? Just, just that basic, just the most basic introduction that you would think would happen when you meet someone Mm -hmm. that, that curiosity, that wanting to share your culture. And then when they learn, oh, well, you're from America. How's that? What is that? Just in very, very innocent, very curious. And I feel like, you know, being here it's like that i you you're aware of your blackness right you walk around every day and you're aware of your skin color first and um and i actually wanted to ask you guys a question about that um because you know in w 
W.E.B. Du Bois talks about like the idea of double consciousness, right? So double consciousness, being aware of the fact that you know you're black and you know yourself, but when you walk into a room of mixed company, you realize what they think of you too. So you're thinking both of this at the very same time. So my question and to you all was, have you experienced that? And if so, what is that? What does that feel like? Um, so maybe a couple of weeks ago, I went to this um, really, really nice, um, I guess a winery with one of my friends who's also black. And we were the only two black people in there. So she's been there before and she knows there's no black people in there. So I, I'm going in not expecting, we were in Carmel. And I was like, oh, maybe we'll see maybe like a speck of maybe one or two different people. It was not like that. So we walk in. They were really nice. The two girls at the front were really nice. Then we got in, and then all eyes was on us as we walk in. We sat down, and we were like ordering, and then throughout our entire time we were there, people were just staring at us. They would speak to each other and look over and look over. And one of the guys running the restaurant would just like stare at us, and I was like, and I literally was like, I have to go. I was just like, I cannot sit here and enjoy this wine while people stare at me. I was like, it's making me nervous. And I, and I just couldn't understand why that whatever you guys were doing, if you were talking to your friends or family, why did you feel the need to stare at us? And it was just like an uncomfortable stare. And, and it's like, I can't go anywhere without being like, people are either going to stare at you, you're going to either ignore it, or it's going to bother you throughout your day. And it really bothered me. Mm-hmm. And it's just sitting and it's like, why are they? And just trying to figure out, like, what do we do? Why are they staring at us? Other than we were the only two black people in this entire winery. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like in certain spaces, my blackness isn't welcomed. So kind of a, sim- a similar sentiment. You walk into a space that I guess the other people surrounding you don't believe you should even be allowed to be in. Mm-hmm. And even if they don't know that's what they're thinking or feeling, that's what we feel and we understand it by the looks that we get by the sly remarks that we hear or i don't even know why are you going out of your way to engage me when i'm just trying to live my best life (laughs) 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 i don't even know um but i i don't know i've i felt that more since i've been here in monterey and at this higher institution than i Mm -hmm. i felt in my my entire life. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I make a move and it's not right, people are going to nitpick it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, why did she say that? Rather, it's just being a comment or just something I'm thinking of off the top of my head. They have to go and analyze it and pick, oh, is that like a black person saying it? Or is that just her saying it? And there's no way to separate myself from my blackness from myself. Mm -hmm. It's it's a part of my experience. so yeah, I've definitely felt it here. Um, and it's hard to reconcile um, not being welcomed. You know, this is your country. This is your home. I'm from California, born and bred, um, but I'm still not accepted in certain spaces. Um, the way I talk, it changes with different friends because I know articulation or being very concise <laughs> is, don't let annoy you. <laughs> like I could Can never just on that? like I just can't even be myself because it'd be like and then if I say something someone will try to use like maybe some some SET words to, to rephrase what I said and I was like you being for real like this is how this is who I am mm-hmm. just because I speak like this doesn't mean I'm any less smarter than who you are mm-hmm. and that is constantly a thing here like mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. to be having to be like well, the, sh- the sun shined very beautifully today. Like, <laughs> I can't just be like, it's hot outside. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's hot outside. <laughs> you feel me? Like, without people, without people down, like, just downplaying who I am or just saying, like, just trying to, f- and it happens all the time. And mm-hmm. I just sit here and I just be like, we really about to do this. Like, let me, yeah. let me be ratchetemic. <laughs> right. But that's the thing. I think, I think in an academic environment, particularly, there is always, um, just inherent competition among people 
regardless of color that's i mean it's layered so it starts there right we're all in grad school and it's like oh let me compare myself let me compare my intellect with others and then it goes into like oh tell me more about your background let's compare that mm-hmm. oh let's talk about like okay your your color let's compare that maybe that has something to do with how you are going to be or how i perceive you to be mm-hmm. so it's a multi-layered discussion that that i feel like is particularly highlighted at our institution because we're such a small school mm-hmm. and so that breeds that intellectual competition which i think is is such a waste of time on so many levels for people to come here and and with the intent to um just broaden their horizons really mm-hmm. and to be so focused on what other people are doing rather than focus on improving yourself and getting the education that you need to go to where you need to be people are so busy playing compare and contrast and it's such it's such a disease in my opinion it's just it doesn't serve you well it doesn't serve the people around you well it turns into this conversation where you have other people now doubting themselves like you are like why can't i just say it's nice as hell outside yeah. without somebody <laughs> looking at me weird yeah. and it's and it's as one of my really good friends say that's a they problem that's not a you problem yeah, yeah but then even the way we speak it's i i understand it's not academic but they even want to break that down if I say something and it's not to you, you don't need to you don't need to you don't need to address it. It wasn't for you. Back up. Give me my space. If I'm having a discussion with someone else, you don't need to know everything that's going on with me. Mind your business. Like that's how I feel. And if you're if you're just even language, I mean, this is an institute about language and culture and wanting us to be diverse, but we if not, still not accepted. Exactly. Yeah. It's just the way that we speak is still not recognized mm-hmm. as being okay. Well, you can be diverse as long as you speak the same way I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like this unfair expectation of assimil- <coughs> assimilation that is so outdated, so counterproductive at this point. I mean, without you being yourselves, what is what is the point of having different people here? No. Whether it's culturally different racially different then those are the things that should be the last thing you think about i i i can definitely relate to that and that highlights a lot of pervasive issues that i come across um one as a woman two as a minority and as an asian american minority being able to yeah just there are times where you know you want to be true to yourself but then you have people around you who want to place that academic competition or mentality on you when you just want to be yourself and say, you know, I'm, I'm having a great day. I'm a great ass day. And then you say that in Mandarin, you say that in, you know, Korean, Japanese, and then people start to, you know, break you down. And that's always been an issue for all minorities and, and especially women in this country. And in particular at Miss, like there's this construct where it's always about breaking you apart and trying to figure out when you don't need to be broken up. You, you are who you are. So um, I'm curious, and that kind of ties into a question that I have is that, um, you know, there are a lot of times where I have, feel like I have to set the record straight with people, like, you know, mm-hmm. be it microaggressions, prejudice, stereotypes, and, you know, I sometimes resent having to set the record straight. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's a great opportunity to educate somebody else. So. I'm curious, you know, um, is there something you want to set straight with people about yourself and your identity, be it um, as an American, as an African, African African-American? Go for it. Um, I just wanted to just address the last question that you had. Um, For me, not being from here, I'm reminded of of me being black Mm -hmm. all the time. And not being used to having that, you said, double consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I was here over the summer, I went to Chicago and there was a, we had like this boat ride across the city. And this woman that I sat next to all of a sudden just got up, like, like she just got up and like went to sit somewhere else. And I was like, why is she? And we were sitting under like the nice section, like with the shade and everything. And for me, not being used to that, I was like mm-hmm. trying to like, um, decipher what was the reason why she got up and I had to remind myself you're black that's why she got up you know and even here when I joined the Monterey Sports Center um, they normally don't ask you for your ID and when I went there like for the second time um, one of the guys asked are you a member here 
You know, I was like, why would you ask me that? You don't ask anyone that. So it's just those small reminders that just remind you that you're you're black in America. And not having to do that constantly where I'm from, it's something that kind of makes you go crazy. You know, you, you have to remind yourself now before anyone else reminds you. You know, so that kind of makes you know what black people go through in the U.S., where in which I don't think like other nationalities like Africans or maybe um, Hispanics really feel the depth of how black people are dis- being discriminated against even in 2018. Uh, well, well, it's some parts of Latin America because, yeah, I mean, or Hispanics in general because, you know, Latin America is such a big continent. Um, so kind of going back to Yanti's point, um, she went to Cuba. I studied abroad in Costa Rica. And I just want to tell you when I felt at home, I mean, I felt at home and it wasn't even my own country. I was able to walk down the street, even being there a day. No one looked at me crazy, um, but I did have some family, family, I was staying with a host family. So their family, they would address me, oh, Chris, they call me Chris. Um, It's like, okay. Um, But walking down the street, it felt natural and normal. I didn't get odd looks. Um, even if I went into certain spaces, I didn't know if I was allowed in that space. Mm-hmm. I wasn't looked at. They just asked me, oh, are you lost or something? Um, because obviously I was lost. <laughs> I must have had like deer in the headlight look. But it wasn't, I didn't feel attacked or like I was being, um, my blackness was being interrogated for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Panama and Girl, <laughs> I was like, there's so many black people here. Really? They everywhere. Well, yes. Well, I Panama. Okay. Um, I went to Panama City and, and I definitely felt it. So I wonder if I go to Africa, would it feel the same way? You will love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to answer your question. But first, let me, can I just address the whole thing about going back to Africa and how you would feel? Because I didn't feel that love when I first Oops. got to Africa. Oh, you didn't? And that's fair. Yeah, and that's fair. I, yeah. because the way, the, I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Rwanda. And I, there's some things of my um, service that I absolutely love. And I love my family that I made, that I'm, my brother that I'm still close with and everything. But it was times where I would go out with other volunteers who were white. Mm. And the way they treated me, it was like, I was not there. Yeah. My presence was not acknowledged. Mm-hmm. And it just it was just disgraceful because and I broke down and cried because that broke me down and I was just like mm. I was it was so much excitement. I'm like, I'm going to Africa for the first time. It's like black people and like talking about it right now gives me chills because it just took away that spirit that I had going in there. Mm. Rwandans ex- weren't acknowledging you? They weren't. And yeah. the thing is I I went to um I went to church with one of my friends and she was white. And they were like, oh, hey, what's your name and stuff? And the lady was like, oh, they was like, oh, she's a volunteer too. No one asked me my name. No one acknowledged that I was there. And I was wow. just like, I was like, I could have been one of your people. And it doesn't matter. You could have at least said, oh, we haven't seen you around. What's your name? My And that happened all the time when we go to restaurants. They would be like, oh, like serve them. And then we'll be sitting there like. I'm sitting here like, can you not see me? And I had a few times where I would got, I did, I was like, well, y'all don't see me. Like I'm sitting here. And then I was like, Shanae, calm down. Like you, this is not your country. You're not supposed to be like that. But then it's like so much frustration. Mm-hmm. But I will say I went to Uganda and boy, they are a different set of people. <laughs> I went in there and I was just like, can y'all keep me? <laughs> like, can I be adopted? So it's just like not and I hate to say that, but not all of Africa is a welcoming mm-hmm. to who mm-hmm. we are, even this as black true. people. Yeah. And it just makes me sad because it's like, where are we welcome in the world? Yeah. Like, we can't even go back to Africa and be like, yeah. God, I, it's good to be around my people. Mm. It's just yeah. hard. So I, I can relate. I, I can definitely relate to that. When I was studying abroad and I'm my heritage is Chinese mm-hmm. and my parents immigrated here in the 80s. And I always had this. I grew up in a very bicultural environment and going back from my study abroad had this very similar experiences in Beijing and Shanghai. Go out with, you know, your classmates. Everyone ignores you. It's so frustrating and 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 hurt and, and it hurts your you in the inside because you know, you start questioning your identity, your sense of self-worth, like, who am I? Where do I fit in? Because, you know, you you come in with this passion and then the world around you just kind of br- tries to break you down. So, yeah, I can understand the frustration and anxieties that, like, 
that permeated throughout your experience. And mm-hmm. it's really tough. And, you know, we come out of it a lot stronger. But at the same time, I've wondered to myself, like, did, did I really need to go through that? Mm-hmm. Like, was that even necessary? Like, why do people do that? Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll let you. <laughs> um, just to speak on that a bit. I definitely um, know what you're talking about. And it just shows the number that um, colonialism did um, on Africans, where even your self-worth and everything good is, is invented by the white man and every every um, good idea is, is, is from the West, you know. And unfortunately, a lot of Africans that are not exposed um, kind of, um, what's the word? they subscribe to that you know and even me when i was working back home i used to work for the government and you have these white tas from different countries that you know are new to the working environment not really knowing what to do and they will have more regard than someone like me who's worked for seven years mm-hmm. and know exactly what i'm doing you know and if i was to speak in meetings i'll, I'll be challenged more and then if, if, if they were to speak up, they will be like, oh, yes, yes, you're right, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely understand what you're saying. And I think that it also sometimes varies from country to country. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that some countries, but some countries really are, you'll be really surprised. And other countries are very exposed, mm-hmm. you know, to other cultures. And most people have traveled. And, you know, they, they don't, you know, have that... I don't want to have that slave mentality, yeah. you know? Right. Yeah, so I definitely relate. <laughs> I relate. I relate to what you're saying. I think a large part of it is it's like the foreigner mentality, and yeah. I've definitely experienced that, except I had the complete opposite thing. So I'm Egyptian. My parents are Egyptian, and whenever we go to anywhere in the Middle East, particularly, of course, Egypt's a huge tourist country, right? We go to places, and because of my haircut and because of, I guess, the way I dress – people are excited to interact with me. They don't think I'm Egyptian. And I don't know, what do Egyptians look like? We look like everything. So you can't pinpoint a certain characteristic, right? So they come to me and they'll ignore my mom, who's a hijabi, or my sister, who's darker than me. And they'll come talk to me thinking I'm a foreigner. So to get either my attention or to, you know, if something is being sold so I can buy it, or even in restaurants, the service industry, I'll get spoken to first. And I completely completely disagree with that and I'm completely anti that and I've been in situations where I've been told no don't don't speak Arabic speak English so you're respected more or that people um pay more attention to you or that you get your things done if you're going to a government facility or whatever trying to get a visa or etc any official paper done act like a foreigner you'll get your things done quicker and I'm like no absolutely not I'm not a foreigner. This is my country. I speak the language. I'm from here. Just because I don't live here full time does not make me any less Egyptian than any Egyptian in the country. And I will be treated as such and not just com- like conforming to the baseline of Egyptians or locals get treated like shit, excuse my language, but I will be spoken to in my language. I will be treated like a top citizen and I will get the respect that I need. And that's that's really it. I'm completely against pretending to be somebody else based on where I was raised just so that I get the respect I deserve. Mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely unacceptable. And so that's exactly what happened to you. You were in a dress because, oh, you're a local. She'll, mm-hmm. She's fine. Nobody needs to really talk to her. Yeah. Let's talk to the people that are visiting so they can give us whatever, attention, money, whatever it is. But that's my thing. Yeah. Like, even if I was your people, you cannot treat your own people. people and that's what hurts it. me. <laughs> and I've told people that, yeah, and I agree with you, like, <laughs> come, because it frustrates me. And I was just like, even if I was Rwandan, you treat me better than you would treat other people. I am your people. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and just to add to what you're saying, so you have this diasporan group in most African countries. And I am, I like, I, I, I keep thinking I don't belong in any, you know, sphere because you have the locals and then you have diasporans and the diasporans make sure they don't interact with the locals. They don't even want to water down their accents. And, you know, they, they look down on the locals and, and talk down and treat them so badly. But then it's, it's a lot of self hate also because you want to like latch onto your foreign identity because you feel like that's how you get your value. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's how people treat you with respect and that's how you get access to things. Mm-hmm. And just what you were saying, it just kind of, you know, um, kind of reaffirmed my own um, thinking to how they behaved as diasporans. 
So it's 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 really deep. It goes way deeper than what you just see. And this reminded me, like I was looking it up, not that I wasn't paying attention, but of this. Um, I'm gonna butcher her name, Ijoma poem, where she says, "So here you are, um, too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both." And I'm constantly thinking of that when I'm traveling all the time. I'm always regarded as the other. But it's even hard traveling sometimes. Right. <laughs> Being black and traveling, oh, I was like, I, I hope I never get lost. Um, because depending on where you're at, the locals might not want to interact with you. They're all like, oh, you're black. Uh, and then just because of your blackness, they're going to assume and prescribe you certain attributes. Um, you're less educated. You're poor. You're this, you're that. So it's even hard trying to travel or trying to even get out of this negative bubble that sometimes could be our life and our experience um even even trying to break away from that it's hard <laughs> i don't even want to travel to certain countries i don't want to travel to certain european countries my mom was working for our embassy in brussels and i had the worst time i went there for like a month and i i kind of faced racism every single day i would step out of the house i don't ever want to go to south africa mm. you know you know mm. certain and, and being a black person it restricts you mm. you know you you might want to go and experience the world i might be that um, kind of person but I know exactly what's going to happen when 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 I do step out of my bubble mm. you know and then I the the thing that I have a problem with is like you you can't even be who you are or even if you wanted to create a different identity for yourself you still can't do that <laughs> girl like because you know how when you travel to certain countries they'll be like oh don't say you're American for whatever x y and z reason I'm like okay so what am I supposed to say they're all like oh say you're from somewhere in Latin America I was like okay and that only gets me so far because then they're going to quiz me oh where'd you come from are you sure that's where you came from where are your parents from what language do you speak where did you grow up and it's like a like you better have, you better, you better have this but that's Ready. exhausting you <laughs> know exhausting. you don't need to have a fake entire background to be able to function anywhere you know you shouldn't, but right that's, right that's right. the issue it's just yeah. like you're creating this kind of rolodex of like different identities you can have when you need it and mm -hmm. like you need to have a full background check for each one in your head exactly. in the event yeah. that you need to you know it's just it's a lot. It's exhausting. All these extra layers of legitimization that no one else, <laughs> nobody else has to do that. Yeah. 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 And uh, that ties into just the double consciousness, like constantly having to switch and to alter yourself mm -hmm. based upon who you're around mm -hmm. at the all context. times and thinking about who do I need to be today? So they're mm -hmm. like, how can I downplay my blackness yeah. so you're comfortable? Mm -hmm. How can I maybe speak this way or speak that way or make my hair a little straighter so you're okay? Mm -hmm. or, or completely diminish where I grew up for you? Or, you know, basically I'm tailoring me to fit your needs, mm -hmm. but you tell me to be myself. <laughs> You don't need anybody's permission. Uh, yeah, yeah no. it's true. And and as you get older, you have to. You, I, I find myself like fighting against that and being more and more and more myself. Mm -hmm. But then in the back of my head, I'm still thinking, okay, how do I go about this? How do I, how do I play this? Mm -hmm. You know, because it's like you have like an internal strategy going on when you step inside everything. Like, okay, this is I'm gonna approach Sally, Mary. She needs this. Harry, he needs this. And you're you're constantly um, subscribing to other people's views of you, and you already know what they're thinking when you walk in. You're like, okay, mm. be black but not too black. Yeah, don't don't. Let me make sure I articulate my words. Try to be mm -hmm. as whitewashed as possible. Right. You know, I think. Um, I had one of my friends, I was gonna go to a, um, I was always oh, when I was here looking for housing, it took me forever. And um, one of the, the girls here, I had like long red braids. And um, I was like, I'm just having the hardest time looking for housing, can't find it. And I remember she said, um, do you think it's your hair? And so I was like, dang, and she was black. And she was telling me, she was like, well, you know, well, when I was going to a conference or something like that, I had like a little color in my hair. And one of my professors told me, ooh, you have to take that color out. You can't, you can't wear that. But and then you got and rainbow fish walking around. That's what I'm saying. But then she, but she <laughs> felt like she was looking out for me as another black person saying, maybe you should change your hair. And so my thought was, well, if they already don't want me to find housing because I'm black, my hair is secondary to that. 
you know, but it was the fact that that was even a concern. That was even a question. That's just like, Ooh, don't, don't do that. Change up your hair. Maybe that'll, that'll be better. You know? So it's just like this constant, like not just an internal battle, but then we're fighting with other people and black people have to have constantly have to prove themselves. Mm -hmm. We prove our, like you've almost never seen a black person without some type of hairstyle. Right. Mm -hmm. That's why we have to, it's, it's a, it's a dress. It's a, something that we, we have to do to put our, our best foot forward. Because if I wear my hair too natural, I'm unkept. So I got to make it look like a style so that you're okay. And I have to look nice and dress nice and speak nice and be nice all the time. And I can't get mad about something because then you'll be uncomfortable. So we always have to, you, you step out of that. I mean, just even, you know, growing up, you know, your parents like, you got to look nice growing up. You can't go outside looking all crazy, wearing a little tutu. No, (laughs) you know, the other kids can do that but you can't do that you're black you can't do that so it's it's like from young ages we're taught to be almost like you know dang near perfect we have to work twice as hard to to get half as much exactly and to and to prove yourself constantly so you guys have raised some incredibly important issues um and one of the things i want to do with this podcast and every episode we do about black history and about diversity and culture here is what can we do about it? And I think Rodwa has a really good question mm-hmm. for you guys about that. In terms of, of, of allies and not the allies that you have in mind, you know, not, not the group, but um, in terms of friends that, that we have here on campus or people that genuinely want to help but don't know how or um, don't have the courage to ask someone of color, black or otherwise, what can I do to be a better friend, to, be, to understand more, to be a better ally? Um, what do you guys recommend? What would you say to them? What would you push them towards doing, reading, writing, communicating? What are your thoughts on that? If we are friends, you should not be uncomfortable asking me about racism, talking to me about race. Have that uncom- uncomfortable conversation with your other friends, your other friends that that are white like you or whichever race that you guys are. Have that conversation. Have that conversation with your family members because it starts at home. So it's it's up to you. If you really wanted to be an ally, there are so many ways to be an ally, but that's your choice. I can't. It's no way I can make you want to come to speak to me. Mm-hmm. You have to want to come speak to me, and I'm willing to speak with you. But I don't have to explain that to you every time. And it's like, I'm not scared you could ask me, but if I feel like I have to have this conversation with you all the time of me not being a scary person, then you're not ready to have this conversation. Besides be yourself, like, I'm not no monster. Like, dang. Like, I I feel like in some people's minds, they think, oh, in order to be a friend, you have to do X, Y, Z. No, if you're a friend, you're a friend. It doesn't matter what color, where they come from. Act like a friend. Be a friend. If you see I'm upset, maybe I don't want to talk to you right now, but maybe later, come to me and ask me. I mean, it's the general things. Like, I shouldn't have to explain, oh, um, I got Black Lives Mattered and now I'm upset about it. Just, why are you upset? I'm a human. I have feelings, emotions, concerns, frustrations, just like any other person. You shouldn't have to treat me different. um, But don't go around acting crazy like you know what's up all the time. Um, I think that's where it gets a little dicey because people get real comfortable and they think, oh, because I'm your friend then I can act a certain way Mm -hmm. or say certain things, certain words, certain uh, colloquialisms. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Um, And you you still can't use it. Um, But just treat me as you would treat your other friends. Mm -hmm. If you you care about me, care about me. If you want to get to know me, get to know me. It shouldn't be a, you shouldn't have a manual to how to interact with other people. Um, yeah, just just the same. I think it's about making the effort to want to get to know people. Um, I was in a group, I think I told you about that, in one of my classes, and I was disregarded, and I had to leave the group. I like They would talk, like, you know, it's one, two, three, four, and they would just talk amongst themselves. about. And we're doing a project on Ghana. Oh my God. <laughs> Tell me about where I'm from, you know, so... Oh, they know yeah. more about where you're from than you yeah, know about where exactly. you're from. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I felt so disregarded and I had to leave the group. Sure. And I think that maybe that's what people are doing, but maybe it's not intentional. 
you know, and I think that we all have who we feel comfortable with. It's just natural human nature. But I think that maybe as a suggestion is just to make more of an effort and see that these these people, not these people, but like black people are a, like a proper mi- uh, minority at miss. It's like, I think 20 of us on campus. <laughs> You can actually count count how many people and just back home I know how we are towards foreigners like we we know how you might feel and we make that extra effort you know so I think that maybe just making that extra effort just to know that um, just just to get to know a black person I guess or just to extend that that hand and like try to be friends and you know and and not have that wall and 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 automatically think that I'm not going to relate to this person because of the color of their skin yeah those are amazing recommendations and i really hope anybody who hears this takes that to heart uh i think that's a really great place to kind of this isn't the end of this conversation i'm just gonna have to put it on pause for maybe a week or two until we get to the next but um thank you so much i i i don't know i think i my being speechless i think says everything um and i have a feeling it'll leave a lot of people with a lot of thinking to do. And I think that's the point. Um, hopefully not just thinking though, um, acting yeah. as you guys suggested. Um, so with that, Anthony, thank you so much for agreeing to co-host this. Shanae, Christina, Aminata, Susan, Radwa, Mark. <laughs> and of course, So Young documenting all this. Uh, thank you all very much for coming today. It's my pleasure. Yeah, yeah. This, like I said, it's not over. Yeah, and then just um, thinking about for our next episode, talking about um, Black Panther. So for those of you who haven't seen it, please, please go see it before we reconvene because we're going to be talking about it. But um, a number one topic that we will get into is that the movie highlighted the divide between Africans and blacks in Mm -hmm. the United States. So that's going to be a very interesting conversation. And I'm looking forward to having that conversation because it's something that is there, but often not really spoken about, Mm -hmm. you know. So I look forward to having that discussion. So anybody who has seen it, uh, you can email us your reactions or something like that. You can send them to me, gbsanders at miss.edu. We're going to look at those and we'll try to get things going up on the blog. And of course, we're going to talk about this on the next episode and really get into it. We also welcome any comments, further questions, episode topics. Um, Please feel free to send us whatever it is that you think would be relevant for us. Thank you, girls. This was dope. Thank you.